my love. I am so happy and so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by my very own company, Savage Chocolates, which is all about cultivating a more loving relationship to your body and to food. You know, we don't really believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure done well. Right? Have you ever had that uh, candy bar or a thing of ice cream and you eat it and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't remember eating that. <laughs> wait, where'd that go? <laughs> well, that's why I created Savage Chocolates because I know the importance of pleasure. And I think that we don't slow down enough to actually experience it. And so... If you are wanting to eat mindfully, if you are wanting to be reminded of how to actually experience your pleasure, then please go to www.savagelosangeles.com to order your goods. All right, you guys, let's get to it. John Gary, welcome to Savage Lifecast. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) John Gary, can you, first of all, you're one of those humans that doesn't get just a first name. Like you get John Gary, like the whole name is the thing. Yeah, you know, I think it's the the double name love. I've been getting both names since I uh, remember thinking that I was a real human. So yes. uh, as long as I've been alive, I have well, why don't we include your middle name? Because your middle name is pretty lit too. It is. It's Francis. Francis. I'm obsessed. Every time I write you an email, I get very excited because your email has your middle name in it. Yeah. You know, it's um, the name of my grandfather, actually, Francis. Love. Yeah. Pay homage. Yeah, absolutely. Same with John. John is also uh, my other grandfather's name. So I am... Uh, a living reminder of both Gary and Sweeney men before me. Sweeney was first of all, that's a really great last name. But second of all, you're really a living legend. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. I mean, true. Like the legends of those men go on through you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, John, I have loved your guts since the moment that I met you at Syracuse university. Um, so this is my little savages for those of you who are like, who the fuck is this person? Because they've been gabbing about shaved heads and grandfathers. Um, who is he? John Gary and I went to Syracuse university. Um, here's a news flash. over 10 years ago. We began oh, that process. Oh, <laughs> So can you talk to us a little bit about who you are, about what you do, about what your purpose is right now? Yeah, so uh, I am a travel writer. uh, And this is a new sort of career change that just happened within the past year. I was a musical theater actor for about a decade uh, and made a career transition uh, to something that I fell in love with uh, during travel that was a part of my job prior. And um, I also write about culture and a lot of queer things. And uh, right now, I have been considering how to write about travel through the lens of people who aren't traveling anymore because of (laughs) the pandemic that we're living in. (laughs) You are so fierce. I mean, we were just talking about it a second ago, how it's kind of like this time of like evolve or flail. And like, you're just, you, to me, the part of the reason I really wanted to have you on is A, because you have one of the most authentic voices 
in writing that I've read, like period. Um, I think your writing is astonishing. And I, I'm a, I'm a tough critic, my friend. I'm a tough critic. He writes beautifully as well. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you so much. But you know, it's, I think what it comes down to as a writer is like, we hope and pray that like our voice comes through the words because we don't get to, we don't get to personally read them. Right. Like, like, I mean, yes, if you're on an audiobook, I suppose you get to personally read them, but like, but truly like we write things down and then people read them in their own voice. So like, yeah. all we can do is hope that like what we're saying is clear enough and through our lens in a tangible way so that people really get it. And what the way that you write is so funny and oh. sophisticated and intelligent, but also like, not snarky, which I love. That is so sweet of you. I am so overjoyed to hear that. Uh, um, It's all tea, honey. Yeah, well, I'm drinking it and it is piping hot. (laughs) See, you guys, that's the shit I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so when you, so your last, your last performance, okay, well, actually, let me take this back. So John Gary and I met doing musical theater. We were at Syracuse University and, you know, you and I were both actually like, I wouldn't call it luck. Like I, I worked quite a bit and like while in school and then you really worked, you know, professionally. But, you know, I think the thing about being an actor and particularly a musical theater actor is like, talk about, talk about evolve or flail. Like every single time a show ends, you're back to square one, basically. Like, yes, it's easier once you have a good resume to like get into the room and be seen, but like you still are competing against like a crazy amount of people and circumstances, right? Yeah. Well, and also when, uh, how well you did at a job before doesn't really matter. It's all about in a room and you either deliver the goods or you don't depends on whether or not you can get a job. Um, (laughs) Of course, there's something to be said about reputation, but of course, is there really that much when you're uh, with small potatoes like I was? It, it, so you really do have to bring the goods every time uh, you start a new project. God, and you know, it's so funny. I, there was a meme going around for a while that was like, like it was. Uh, <laughs> do you, I don't know if you remember that image of Leonardo DiCaprio raising a glass from uh, The Great Gatsby, and he's like cheersing. Of course, and, I do. It's him in the meme, and it's like, oh, you're out of work? Welcome to the artist's life. And, like, he's, like, cheersing. And it's, like, you know, I mean, terribly, like, snarky, but also, like, very true. You know, that this is, like, this is what, you know, actors have done forever. It's, like, this is why you go to New York, and you're, like, yeah, cool, I've done three Broadway shows, and now I work at Starbucks. Like, this is just what it is sometimes. Um, And, you know, your last last show was Book of Mormon, which is not small potatoes at all. Um, and what inspired you to make the transition to writing? Uh, you know, before I left to do the Book of Mormon, I had started to flirt with the idea of um, changing careers, not because I don't love theater, but uh, because I didn't necessarily love the lifestyle. Yeah. And I didn't love that a lot of the things that I was doing in terms of performance um, was telling stories that I didn't want to tell. And I wanted to take some of the control back 
into my artistic life yes. and funnel yes. that into a new kind of career. And um, uh, while I was doing the Book of Mormon, I had the time and the resources to finally uh, make a change. So uh, I'm super grateful to have had that experience. And, and it was um, for you, you stuck with that show for years. Yeah, I did it for about two and a half years. Uh, time to be doing the same thing, eight shows a week. Oh my God, totally. But what a lesson in making something fresh and new every night. <laughs> it, was, it was a great exercise. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the way that I got to writing, um, I had uh, tried teaching for a while. I was in the city. I was teaching theater, which I still do. Yes. Um, and then I Collab. was... Collab, and I also was teaching at middle schools uh, around the city. I, yeah, I was teaching teachers how to teach uh, students musical theater. Wow. Yeah, Whoa. which was interesting. Uh, but I realized in working with students, I love working with students, but I wanted to work with professionals and I wanted to continue telling stories, which is one of the reasons that I got into theater. Yeah. And um, I had been spending a lot of my time writing uh, for joy. And after a while, I was like, I'm just going to try and see if I can turn this into something that makes me money. And uh, while I was on the road, I started practicing the art of writing. And uh, after I left the show, I was like, I'm going to really just go gung-ho and try to make this a career. Wow. Yeah. I mean, balls out, baby. I love it. So I remember when you were talking about it and flirting with it, what did you do as like a practice in practicing? You know, I feel like people do this thing where they like want to change and they want to do this thing, but they don't necessarily have the tools or the skills. They don't really fully commit. They're afraid. What was your process in practicing? Like, did you just commit to writing for 10 minutes a day or like, what did that look like? Yeah, I did write every day. Uh, every single day I made myself come up with something new. Um, I created like a little blog for myself that forced me to write every day. Yes. Um, that I, that I don't even keep up with anymore, but it was the act of having something that I felt, uh, responsible for, um, that forced me to do something every day. But I think a, a couple of the important things, uh, that got me to where I am. One is a guy who I was working with at the time who was like, if you work half as hard at writing as you did at trying to become an actor, you're going to be successful. And uh, principles that I used and that you used uh, to yeah. become an actor, we studied every day. Uh, we immersed ourselves in all of the material that we could. Yeah. Uh, we like... Ate, lived, breathed theater. And uh, that's what I did with writing. I just immersed myself in the world of, I took classes. Um, I made it a part of my daily routine. Wow. Who are some of your inspirations? Like, who do you like to read? What's your, what's your tea on that? A ton of folks. I think when it comes to travel writing, um, uh, there's a book called The Art of Travel by a guy named Alan DeBotton that is remarkable, probably the smartest piece of travel writing I've ever read. Uh, and his theory about travel is um, pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I really love funny queer writers. You know, I just read this book by Andrew Sean Greer that was sort of loosely based on queer travel. Uh, 
called Less. Uh, that was really inspiring. Um, I am a super fan of the End My Times travel section. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, there's, I'm looking at my bookshelves right now. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what did I do? How do I do it? Yeah. No, I mean, there's so much. That's so, that's awesome. That's super, super awesome. Um, as far as, and I'm sorry, I feel like I just cut you off. What no, you- no, no, keep going. I didn't have anything good to say. No, <laughs> everything you say is good, John Gary. Everything you say. Um, <laughs> um, what was I, what was I just going to say? Um, so if you, so we're talking about this ironic craziness, madness of being a travel writer in the time of not being able to travel. You know, I, for a living, teach people to travel inward. I mean, that's really kind of what I do is, is help people kind of look within. And, and I know that you have been a student in that realm in a number of ways. I mean, you've taken my classes, you've taken from all sorts of teachers in New York and studied with all sorts of people about kind of mindfulness and cultivating awareness and, um, you know, honing your mind. And I just wonder if there's anything kind of in that realm around the, I don't know if the travel section would eat that up at all, but like traveling inward, like, I, I don't know. That's the only way of travel that I can even think of right now. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> so I've been thinking about this quite a bit because of you. Uh, you've been saying in your yoga classes lately, we yes. can't go out, so we have to go in. Yes. And um, something that I love about travel, and this is why I love writing about it, is that when you do go outside of your comfort zone, you also end up going in. Yes. Uh, and so I yes. think that they sort of, those ideas work in tandem. Yes. Uh, where you can't go out, so you go in, or you go so far out of your comfort zone yes. that you end up going in instead, just to rephrase that. And, uh, exactly. and so the, in staying at home, we're doing a sort of travel as well, which I think you've already touched on a little bit. Um, and I think that usually for me, being at home isn't about introspection. I'm surrounded by things that, uh, don't change from day to day. Yeah. And so when I'm around them, I don't change either. And yet by being stuck inside with them day in and day out, I am starting to change because the outside world is changing. And as a result, my inside world inside of my apartment is changing too. Yes. Well, the only way out is in. I mean, that, I, I think that's very real. It's kind of like what we we're talking about with, with you doing HS a week. Like we keep things interesting by staying interested. And right. maybe oh. the things were always interesting, but you just weren't interested because there were plenty of distractions, <laughs> you know, like plenty of stuff to distract you from being with that, whatever that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, there's like beautiful art on my walls so that sometimes I uh, take for granted that I have been admiring in the yeah. past month or two. And it has been a real joy reconnecting with those art pieces or a corner of my apartment that I love or the man and animals in my apartment that I get to spend time with yes. uh, in a way that I often forget about when I'm out gallivanting and traveling and doing all of those other things that I love. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Back to the travel piece. I feel like, I feel like with the travel, like it's travel is such a cultivation of awareness. 
Uh-huh. Like you go to a new place, everything is being discovered. And that kind of goes back to the acting piece. Like one of the most beautiful things to watch an actor do is to discover something, whether it's to discover that, you know, your wife has been cheating on you or whether it's to discover that this thing unfolded in the plot or whatever it is. It's like discovery is exquisite. And with travel, it's all discovery, which is why it's such an awe-inspired experience. Yeah. When, when did you first fall in love with traveling and what was that about? Oh my, I, I'm, you probably know the answer to this because you were there with me. <laughs> I was so hoping this would be a thing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we went on the, a pretty huge trip when yes. we college. We backpacked yes. through Europe together. It was supposed to be like five of us, by the way. It, right, and it ended up just being you and I. And I'm so glad. Not to be rude to the others, but I'm so glad it was just you and I. Uh, yeah, I still love them dearly. Though you're the only one who I still talk to of those people who... Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. I, I, still t- I still chat with them, but not as frequently. I mean, you, guys, you and I are much closer. They're your Lilas, love you like a sister. Yeah, you know it, baby. <laughs> you know, I think um, I didn't realize how much world there was and how freeing it could be to be outside of my comfort zone. Um, and, uh, I guess how like strong and capable I was too. There was a lot of like uh, about myself that I learned with you on that trip that I didn't know I could do beforehand. Well, we were incredibly scrappy as well. Like we made something out of nothing on that trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did everything from sleep outside. Oh my God. On top of that wine shop where all that yeah. ants got in, in San Gimignano, Italy, we slept in a train station. <laughs> a train station. We almost got, almost got mugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, like, that lady was so cracked out. Oh and God. thank God, because, I mean, we like pushed her away, basically. Well, there was that man from Brooklyn who like came and saved us. Basically <laughs> saved our lives. Yeah, no big deal. Um, insane. That was insane. I, the picture of us at the end of that trip, that's like, <laughs> you and I, it's like a duty-free shop that's like, they had a sign that was like, want to look good on arrival. And we both looked so busted because <laughs> we hadn't slept in like three days. Covered in 25 pounds of grease. We looked yeah. like uh, like a chicken fryer that hasn't been cleaned in two months. Correct. That was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the imagery that John Gary paints on the page, ladies and gentlemen. A chicken fryer that hasn't been cleaned in two months. Get the fuck out of here. That was so oh, good. So, um, and you know, I would never travel like that ever again, but ever. I am so grateful for the experience. Okay. And again, like we were strong chicas who like, yeah it was amazing and you know what if it had been more of us that never would have been that way no absolutely not you're totally right like the reason it was that way which i'm so glad it was because it was so epic and like ridiculous and perfect was because like you and i are the type of people that could just like do it and be like whatever suck it up yeah Mm -hmm. which is i think something i learned on that trip with you is how to just like make things work even when it seems like it's impossible which is something I don't, don't have to struggle with at home because I'm extremely privileged and yeah. come from a privileged family and don't have to deal with that kind of crap, you know? Exactly. It's so, it's so humbling. I mean, it's like really, really humbling. But that was a big, that was a big deal. What was your big kind of takeaway from that experience, if anything? 
Besides, I know I'm how to shower now. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, um, I'm obsessed with you. That yeah. was huge. Same. Um, and, and I think that uh, I realized that while traveling, everything else can melt away. Yeah. Uh, I remember being joyful on a level that I am not sure if I had experienced before, including being on stage, which I, up to that point, would have said was the most joyful that I ever was. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Biking through the, you know, hillsides of Tuscany. Yeah. That'll, that'll do things. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just, there's nothing else while traveling uh, from your regular life that can like pull you back down um, into who you think you're supposed to be or uh, rules and regulations that you have at home. There's just like so much more freedom out on the, out on the road. And I think that we both found that in our own ways. Oh my God, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh girl. Oh girl. Okay. So talk to me about reinvention now. So what are you writing about now that the travel world has kind of come to a halt? Where are you? What's inspiring you? What's up? A bunch of things. So, um, I write, uh, a lot of queer travel stuff for this uh, company called Matador Network. And I've pivoted away from uh, writing solely about travel destinations to writing about um, uh, like queer culture. I'll, there's a lot of like online content that I'm critiquing um, and things that are related to what you can do at home, how to travel from your couch, things like that. Uh, I've also been working on a couple articles for a company called Rova magazine. They're an RV uh, magazine. And one of the articles, which I just finished, is about cell phone use and the way that it it affects our brains while we travel. Um, Just because I've noticed since the pandemic happened, my phone usage has skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, and it's not all bad. Like I am using it for some good stuff, but I'm also using it for like endless scrolling. You know, it's my, the new version of like Nickelodeon for me as an adult. Wait, wait. Ex- oh, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Love it. But like, I lost a lot of hours watching Ren and Stimpy as a five-year-old. Same. You idiot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've lost a lot of hours scrolling through Instagram Same. lately. And uh, this article is about uh, the dangers of staying connected to your phone when you're trying to connect to a new place, uh, specifically Yellowstone. And um, I related to selfie deaths that have happened at the park within the last few years. Whoa. Yeah, and things like that, like scary statistics about phone usage. Okay, that freaks me out. That is out of control, that there are actual selfie deaths. Yeah, oh no, it's it's legit. So people... um, think that they are above the rules. And in like the past decade, there have been an increasing number of selfie deaths related to wild animals in Yellowstone, specifically oh. bison. Stop. <laughs> I, mean, I do not mean to laugh, but like that is not the way to go, guys. No, absolutely not. But people will get super close to these animals um, to try and get a picture that will be really like worthy and try and go get themselves to go viral. And instead, sometimes they get flung in the air by bison. Oh my fucking God. 
I mean, this is this is why I have a problem with this because this comes from a place of such you know, I talk about it all the time, but like when we are reaching outside of ourselves for like validation or for love or for feelings of wholeness or whatever, we're really just filling in like a cup with a big hole in it. Absolutely. Yeah. But this is like the amount, no amount of likes or views or whatever. It seems so obvious, but like I clearly have to say this because people are being killed by bison at Yellowstone. Right. Like, this is absurd. So, and it doesn't end there. People are falling into like hot pots and boiling yeah. alive. It's like really scary shit that happens when people um, forget that their phones can kill them. You know, they're I mean, like little murderers. It's real life narcissus, like, as in like the actual story of narcissus, not like narcissism as in what we throw around like confetti, that term, but like, Narcissus, who looked in the water, saw his reflection and fell in and drowned because he was so enamored by his own face. Yeah, and at least that water was like cool. Like the water at Yellowstone is straight up boiling, and like you feel the girl, like get away from the water. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Oh my god! I'm I'm so excited about what you're doing for the queer community too. It, creating such amazing content. Like I read your stuff, John, and I'm, oh, I just called you John, John Gary. Um, I read your stuff and I'm just like shooketh. And you, you have such a beautiful way of putting everything in such a like beautifully puzzle pieced placed way. What, I mean, obviously like you, you know, have a boyfriend, you are in the queer community, but was there a reason, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of gay writers out there that don't write for the queer community. Like, was there a specific reason that you wanted to reach out in that way? Or was it just kind of like happenstance? You know, one, you're the sweetest. Thank you for the compliments. I'm literally blushing and you can't see it, but that's what's happening right I now. Yeah, I can, I can't see you, but I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> a little bit of both where I, I, you know, my voice naturally lends itself to uh, queer things. I really like queer culture. Um, I'm like a drag race stan, a musical theater queen. Um, yeah. I, you know, I love the, the works of Edmund White, you know? Yes. <laughs> he was a prolific gay author. Yes. Uh, so all of that sort of work like lives in me and I, and I think it's difficult for me to not breathe a little bit of that into the things that I write about. Um, I also like to touch on taboos in culture. And a lot of those in America today still happen to be around queer related things. Yeah. Um, And also on top of all of that, in the travel sphere, there isn't always content that I could find um, that spoke to me as a traveler. And so I like creating that content for other people who might be looking for what I'm looking for. Okay. Uh, See, this is what I fucking mean. Like I talk about it in every podcast I do that we make our mess, our message. Like we make it like the thing that there's like an emptiness, there's like a hole in the market. There's like a thing that we see that we want mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. And then we turn that into our message. Like you wanted, you wanted a, queer community thing around travel where people could go, oh, this is where I should go. This is what I should do. This is where I'll feel, you know, welcomed or seen or loved or, you know, whatever it is, or feel excited or whatever. 
And so you were like, cool, there, this doesn't exist. So I'll make this my message. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And also that just happened to be some of the work that I've been getting lately yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. T. Yeah, which is also like, I will do what people pay me for. (laughs) Well, I I think that you are like the definition of evolution as far as career goes. Like you're just so adaptable, just like you were when we traveled through Europe at 20 or whatever we were, 21, maybe. I think we were 21. Yeah, we were 21. Um, Or I was 21 because I think I'm like a year older than you. Yeah, I mean, I was still babe children. Children, babies. Yeah. but we were adaptable then and you have you know it's like I talk about in class the way we do anything is the way we do everything yeah. and you are just uh, exemplary in that and you offer so many gifts what do you want people to know about you oh, oh my god I know that's a very vague question but I'm super into it what do I want people to know about me that um that I think that Bernadette Peters is the best Mama Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She was was fierce. I saw her as well. Uh, That I like chocolate chip cookies and they can send them to my address at... Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, John. But I think I want people to know about me is that... um, God, what do I want people to know about? This is such a difficult question. I know, it's such a difficult question. You know, Bernadette Peters is a really good one. Yeah, uh uh-huh. You know, I I guess I would want people to know that um, uh, you can change your mind about yourself. And that's something that I have done about myself quite a lot. And that's okay. And that you can change your mind about what you want to do. And that's okay too. And um, you're not beholden to any rubric you wrote for yourself before. And uh, I don't hold myself to one either. So get with it. I love it. Let's get with it, baby. I, John Gary, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you as one of the most wonderful, uh, kind authentic you really know how to show up um talented humans that i know and so just thank you for coming on the show and you guys um look for john's writing in the show notes i'm going to put where you can find some of his articles share them love them if you work for a publication get in touch with him because he's out of control and and uh not to be uh super promotional but he is he's quick honey he's quick in every way shape or form um (laughs) oh my god i want to hug you so hard i mean he's quick honey he's 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 quick (laughs) but um john where can we connect you with you where can we find you on the gram and on the things you can find me on the gram at um, Gary John Francis. That's G A R R Y J O H N Francis with an I. Um, yeah, and uh, you know you can find me in New York City. You know, riding my bicycle down Eighth Avenue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You were always so good with the bike. I did the bike thing for a second, and it just scared the shit out of me. Honestly, it can be really scary and intimidating. And there's a lot of people who break a lot of laws. Yeah. 
I get super defensive on my bike. I think that I become like the best worst version of my New Yorker self. Yeah. Which is kind of what you need to do. Like, I feel like you probably go directly into fight or flight mode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the amount of times that I've shouted obscenities at people on the street, uh, are, oh, sure. yeah, they're magnanimous. And you know what? I'm into it. I just can picture you like getting off your fucking cute little bike and being like, bitch. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. We're good. No, not- it's good. I mean, I think New York city is just the city of extremes. Like it's one of those places where like, you're either like yelling obscenities at someone or you're like giving them like a kiss, you know what I mean? Or you're like ugly crying on the subway or you're like celebrating that you won the lottery. Like there's not a lot in between. Yeah. You know, in fact, I sometimes wonder when I'm going to run into somebody who's like a boss or like a really good friend or someone I haven't seen in a million years, like my English teacher from high school, and they'll be breaking a law as a pedestrian and I'll almost hit them on their bike, call yes. them a motherfucker, and then be like, oh my God, this is Lori. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, no, I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely had moments. I am not a biker, but I've had moments where like, I've run into someone who was like in the middle of their ugly cry. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, this is just, this is New York. Man, the New York moment. Have you cried on the streets in New York? I definitely have. Oh, I definitely have. I've had an, I've had a few ugly cries in my day. I mean, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Ugly cries are legendary in New York. They're, they're a staple. The thing about LA is you can ugly cry in your car. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen anybody ugly cry in their car? Is that like a thing where you like pull up at the stoplight and you see someone getting it? I think I have seen, I've seen one, I actually saw one man ugly cry in his car in a parking lot. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not cute. No, but you know, safe place in that car. Exactly. I mean, much better than 14th and 7th where I've done it. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, actually I'm thinking right now about a time that I was in LA driving a car and crying. It was like happy crying, but I was definitely, you were crying. I was definitely crying in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I love your guts so much. And I'm just going to ask you a couple questions that I'm going to fire off and just answer the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. I'm here. Right now, what brings me the most joy is Ben, my boyfriend, who has been by my side through this pandemic. I'm so fucking lucky. Ah, I love Ben. Ben, I love you. Um, To me, vulnerability is... Showing yourself honestly. Beautiful. Right now, I am feeling... I'm feeling joyful because I fucking love talking to you. Oh, you too. And if I could change one thing about the world, it would be uh, making people kinder to those they don't understand. Yes, beautiful. Unless they're in the bike path, then they can Unless go talk to themselves. Get out! You don't belong there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god john gary thank you so much for being on savage Lifecast. you are a legend oh my god thank you you were my teacher my guru uh my fairy god mother sister <laughs> what? 
<laughs> All right, baby. Um, I'll see you in class. I'll see you in class, babe. Love Thank you. you. All right, you guys, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen to this wisdom, to listen to uh, all this goodness. Um, Once again, gentle reminder to please check out savagelosangeles.com to learn more about my new company that I'm so proud of. I hope it inspires you to create and cultivate a life that you dig. Um, And also, if you are down and have, you know, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds, then please, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Super easy. Just give it five stars. Maybe say a few kind words. And if you dug it, please share it with your friends. I would be over the moon with gratitude. Um, All right. You guys are the bee's knees. Much love. Stay savage. Stay savage.